You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And man, if you are living in the Chapel Hill and Carborough area, we've had a bit of a of a cold past week. I feel like I'm just starting to thaw out. And there's so many things to talk about on our docket for today. I mean, I would love to get into the Michael Wolf book <laughs> that has come out. The Fire and the Fury of the Orange Emperor, uh, or something like that. Uh, his book, it's, it's all of that is, is wonder, wonderful, low-hanging fruit. And if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock and do not know about this, just, just, go, just go read the news. Go read the news. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. And I'm not even going to delve into... Oprah's magnificent speech at the Golden Globes. It's wonderful. And again, if you're interested, go listen to it. YouTube, internet, come on. You guys can handle this. No, 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 no. Here's what I want to talk through. So I want to talk through some misconceptions within Christianity. And and especially the centerpiece that we will be talking about today is higher education, or really just education within the Christian sphere. And I want to center a little bit of this around Betsy DeVos and really just kind of start to unpack, especially like the conservative evangelicals' fear of education. And yes, that we will unpack this on many levels. Uh, But before we get to that, I just had a couple of fun little snarky nuggets. I, I just wanted to share with you. I just wanted to throw your way because this wouldn't be snarky faith without us adding uh, some heapy doses of snark, especially when it comes to the craziness of Christianity. So let's start off with this. So let's talk about a little Paula White. Paula White, Trump's spiritual advisor. Paula White, televangelist, prosperity gospel Paula White. Yes, that Paula White. And even if I want to be a little snarky with this, which of course I will, Paula White, who was, this just makes me laugh, who was accused of having an affair with Benny Hinn. Uh, I know this is just tabloid stuff, but that one just made me laugh. So I'm not here to like push that one. But I, when I read that, I was like, <laughs> sure, that all makes sense. Maybe. Paula White, who's worth over $5 million, that Paula White. Um, the one who's on her third husband, who just happens to be the dude that wrote Don't Stop Believing." That's right, from Journey. She's married to that guy. So, let's talk just a little about the beginning of the year and Christian craziness. And Paula White's a great place to start. So here's what she said on her website. Each January, I put God first and honor him 
with the first fruits of our substance by sowing a first fruits offering of one month's pay. That's a big sacrifice, but it is a seed for the harvest I am believing in for the year. And God always provides. And again, like, you know, what she's saying here on her website, she wants to be very clear that this first fruits seed offering that you're supposed to give is not is not to be mistaken for the usual 10% offerings that you're supposed to get. Yes. She wants you just to make sure that if you truly want God's blessing, if you truly want God to do something amazing in your life, you need to give in January a month of your salary to the New Destiny Christian Center. Because, of course, it's in Florida because... Great sane churches come out of Florida usually, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> it's the new Destiny Center. What happened to the old Destiny Center? I really want to know that. Come on. But yes, again, we see this. We see these prosperity gospels charlatans, <laughs> except for typically they're not cozying up to the president of the United States. Oh, 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 my goodness. I, I just, when I say I love this, I actually am being very droll and sarcastic because I hate this. This kind of stuff just angers me to my core. But all I can do is make fun of it and laugh about it because it's a thing and it's happening. Where we have dear Paula, who's telling you, that the size of your blessing is directly related to the size of your first fruits offering. Does this not sound completely like fruity, like off the top, off the rocker that we're talking about here? Oh my goodness. So wait, but I want to give you just a little more. She says this. It is the basis or underlying support for your success in 2018. It is God's principle of first fruits. All firsts belong to God. When you honor this principle, it provides the foundation and structure of God's blessing and promises in your life. It unlocks a deep dimension of spiritual truths that literally, literally transform your life. When you apply this, everything comes in divine alignment to his plan and promises for you. When you don't honor it, whether through ignorance or direct obedience, there are consequences. So I love this. I love the way that they love to kind of set up this whole scenario. Uh, she's not new to laying out this kind of garbage. Uh, most of the prosperity pastors do things like this, where they are telling you that somehow, God is sitting there like some sort of like divine accountant and he's sitting there watching to make sure that you give the money to God oh wait, no no not to God not to God it's to Paula White but uh, she's the person of God so that's all this I, I can't even keep this train of thought up anymore it's just hurting my brain I feel like this is like the Alex Jones of Christianity that we have going on here. I mean, this is just crazy. It's bonkers. But you know what? 
you know what? It'll work. I'm not saying it's going to work for God, but it's going to work for Paula. Because there's going to be people out there that are genuinely trying to seek God's favor or genuinely trying to get out of a couple jams. And when that kind of a thing happens, when that kind of a thing happens, you are manipulating people. This isn't a work of God. This isn't a movement of God. This isn't a call of God for you to give up your month's salary to give it to Paula White's ministries. This is simply snake oil salesmen in the highest degree when it comes to Christianity. And who would be the perfect spiritual advisor for the president other than Paula White? She spoke at his inauguration. This is incredible. I mean, it is. this is like a match made in heaven, or it's kind of like eating a cheeseburger in bed at night at 6.30 like the president does, or maybe it's kind of having a little lovely rendezvous with Benny Hinn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing about that. Uh, but I say this in all sincere mockery. This kind of stuff is just so insane, and it's been going on for so long. But it keeps going on. And Christians and televangelists of the like continue to spout this and continue to put guilt trips on people and continue to act as if they are the power brokers for God's word and for God's favor. And the simple fact of the matter is it's not true. It's not biblical. And this has nothing to do with Jesus. This has everything to do with this is kind of like the spiritual version of Trump University. Throw money down the crapper because you you're preying on people who are trying to make their lives better. Now, to those people trying to make their lives better, there's probably better ways to do that than this. Um, you might as well, in, in this scenario, the way she's laying this out, you probably have a better odds uh, of just playing the lottery, which either way are fictional, even though I know we see that people win the lottery. Oh my gosh, seriously. These kind of things are a cancer to Christianity. I don't understand them. I don't understand how they keep going on. And as long as they keep going on, I will be here to mock them just for you. So on that tangent of people that deserve a little bit of mocking, I've also got for you our buddy. He's our friend here at the show. You know, good old Jim Baker, Jim Bob Baker. I don't know if the Bob actually fits in there. It would fit really well uh, with his brand of crazy that he's pushing out now. And if you remember a couple, it's uh, like a week and a half ago where there was a Amtrak trail derailment in Washington state. Uh, it's tragedy. People died. Many others were hurt. Anytime we have these situations happen, um, you know, your, your heart just goes out for the people and the families that are involved in this. It's, it's scary. It's terrifying. You know, nobody wants to think of uh, their loved ones um, dying in a situation like this or being hurt in a situation like this. But guess what? But guess what? Because Jim Baker is the king of sensitivity and all things true. Uh, he had a bit of a different take on this incident. So listen to it now. What do you think that train going off the tracks in, the in Amtrak? Yeah, yeah, in Washington Amtrak. State, wasn't it, or somewhere yeah. up in well, up in Washington? And uh, yeah, yeah, they've been now, talking that it's been it was speeding 
over yeah. 50 miles an hour. Yeah, it was, was going 80, right. the last report I got. That's right. And it was supposed to be going 30 at that time. But this is not what it's not about. Over the speed limit. What is the spiritual side? Why is it right now at this time of the year? This was its maiden voyage. Mm. Reminds you of the Titanic. What? The Titanic. Oh, I was going to say that. I was going to ask anybody yes. knew about it. Yes, of course. The maiden voyage. They the, said the, no, nobody, that, that ship, nothing could happen to that ship. The great preachers of all times have said the Titanic is God's warning. That's right. It's true. And I believe here again, the fastest, one of the fast new trains, mm-hmm. brand new, crashed mm. off the tracks on its maiden voyage. People, you better listen to what's going on. Oh, Jimbo, don't worry. We're listening to what's going on. We're hearing your own brand of crazy BS that you're spouting here. And where to begin with this? Where to even begin with this on on even? okay? let's just take this on. Let's just take this on a historical level when beginning to say that pastors of the time were calling out the Titanic as the as something that was God's wrath. I mean, seriously, if it wasn't in the James Cameron movie, it's not true. No, but this craziness of this revisionist history that conservatives like to pull out, um, it's the same way that they like to pull out nuggets of theology or nuggets of scripture to justify what they're talking about. It's simply not true. It's simply not true. And then secondarily, this is what gets me mad about this, is that what, God had nothing better to do? Uh, then take his almighty pinky finger and go dink as a train was going by because what? The God of the Bible could speak to people, but now God is just a complete ass and just likes trying to get people's attention by creating tragedy. Like, like let, let's just, let's just jigger that in our head for a moment. So, so if God is a God of love, what the hell is this? Seriously, I mean, again, nothing that this man is saying is true. I'm just trying to like grapple onto his, mm, trying to find words that I can say on the air, but they are not coming to me. Fine, with his own brand of insanity, uh, selfishness, whatever, like narcissism. I-, I don't even know what is going on in Jim Baker's foul brain when he's saying things like this. I mean, I mean, how, like, think about this. Like, how does this kind of stuff register to the families who lost somebody? Like, oh yeah, God's there for you. Or everything uh, goes according to God's plan. And even though your husband or wife may have died on that train, guess what? God will bring you a new one. I, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know how to articulate that. Their, their own, like, there is just, there is no logic to this. And and the best thing I can just say it is it is just simply sick. It is sick on a human level. It is up on a spiritual level. It is just plain messed up. But again, we have to remember this comes from a guy that that touts his faith-based home shopping network. Yes, that's the thing. Faith-based home shopping network. Okay, so let's go through a little bit of this. Um, so here's what you can get. Uh, they have the amazing... 
<laughs> on the Faith Base Home Shopping Network. You can get an amazing battery charger with a black cross hat, like I'm assuming for your car, like to jumpstart your car, because nothing jumpstarts your car like the Holy Spirit. And they're selling heated blankets and generators for your house, health and beauty tips, gizmos. I don't like what what does any of this have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What does any of this have to do with following the ways of Jesus? Answer, nothing. Nothing. This is, I mean, this is like an infomercial wrapped in religion, wrapped in probably a bunch of other stuff that should make sure that this is not a nonprofit organization. Are they? I think they are. I may be wrong. You can call me out on that one. I'm not sure. But again, oh, Jim Baker. And here's how their website says or describes. The Jim Baker Show is an hour-long daily broadcast featuring prophetic and biblical revelations brought to light in today's world. In these end times, God is providing answers and wisdom to be revealed at just the right time. And let me add, at just the right price. Again, I've said this before, but when people go around claiming that they're prophets, they're not. I'm gonna, I was going to say generally not. They're just not. Uh, when people like to dub themselves a prophet, they're not. In the Bible, if you look at the prophets, the prophets lived horrible lives. They were people that were trying to call out bad stuff that was going on within the culture. And that's kind of what Jim is trying to think that he's doing here by just being an ass. Uh, but those prophets were actually, uh, they did it in a manner that made them quite non-popular and quite hated, uh, but not hated in this way where you were living in opulence and you were arguing about, uh, you know, who has the better private jet that doesn't scream profit to me because guess what? I mean, it's profit like P R O F I T, but not P R O P H E T difference, difference in spelling. I know they sound phonetically the same Jim, but they mean something different. Oh my gosh, this stuff just pisses me off so much because I know there's people out there that will listen and they will just suckle on this teat of insanity and pay money to people like Paula and Jim, like we've talked about today, and it's all a load of crap. And more importantly, has nothing to do with Jesus. Like, that should be the first part. I mean, maybe, you know, okay, it's a load of crap, sure. But has nothing to do with the biblical teachings and ways of Jesus Christ. But they're using Jesus to be able to peddle their own brand of crazy to get rich. That's what this is. It is a get-rich-quick scheme. Now, let's talk about, let's go ahead and just switch over here to talking about my main idea. And again, it talks about crazy people, Christian people, and the rich. And so it's hard for me to go an entire show without mentioning Trump. So I won't even try to deny the urge that's within me. Uh, but I want to talk about this thing. And this is something that I've noticed for basically my entire life. Um, being raised in a conservative Christian home, being, uh, I've, I've worked for churches at, at all ends of the spectrum of Christianity. 
And and I, I've I've begun to see this thing. It's kind of like you know, like in we have like in culture we have urban legends. There's same kind of things that happen in churches. There's like church urban legends, and and the uh, there's a big one. And and I wouldn't have even thought of this until I was talking. You know, over the holiday times, uh, I was talking to a someone in my extended family, and uh, as my oldest son uh, will turn sixteen in just a little while. And they were just cautioning me. Um, well, not caution. At first, it was kind of like it was. I was being baited into this, and I knew I was being baited into this. But the question started like this: You're not going to let James go to any kind of public university when he graduates, are you? I mean, he needs the word of God, so he needs to go to a Christian university or a Christian college, and. When that person said it, I proceeded to laugh. And they did not expect that. And because my laugh was probably longer than it should have been, it may have been a little like maniacal, like the uh, bad guy in a Bond movie. Like, <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. But, but I, just, I just kept laughing to, re- to prove the point of the fact of what are you talking about? Do I want my son to waste money? and get a subpar education, then sure, let's go ahead and send him to a Christian college because that's really what most of them are good for. Now, understand, I'm speaking um, hyperbolically in this situation. There are probably some fine religious institutions um, that are colleges out there. There's, there's, There's probably, you may be able to tell me, like, a handful, like I can count on my hand. Um, but by and large... We have Christian colleges out there that I know that they're pushed in churches and they are seen as places, oh, you don't want your kids to fall away from their faith, so they need to go to a good Christian school to get the real education to understand what is really going on in the world because if they go to just any old university, uh, it's going to drub the faith out of them. It's going to teach them all sorts of stuff like science and math. I don't know if they would say that about math, but, but who knows? Who knows? But they're inherently, especially in, in evangelical churches and, and, and completely in conservative churches, there is a fear of higher education. There is this, 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 this gripping fear. And there's these stories when I'm speaking about like church urban legends. Um, and I mean, stories like, were, this was one of those things, do you remember like years ago, before social media, I know some of you may have a hard time hearkening back to the olden days when we wrote emails and we did them by candlelight. Um, back in those days when you'd get stuff forwarded to you, because you always had like that, that friend of a friend or that weird family member that loved to send you forwards. And every time you got them, you're like, ah. And then there was the even more annoying family member that would send them to you. And then when you talk to them, they would really try to follow up on these forwards because they certainly didn't write them, but apparently they were so good and they had so much like anecdotal evidence and whatever in them that it needed to be like discussed further. And there's this story that's matriculated around and, and, I understand with most of these stories, there's like a nugget of truth or something may have happened like this before, but where, you know, these, there's a student that comes to his first day of college and has the teacher call him out for being a Christian. And then he has to banter back and forth uh, because really all colleges want to 
heal people's faith. They, that's really in a lot of these Christians' mindset. The only reasons that universities exist are to somehow steal the faith of their children and poison them into being liberals. Um, I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that's the mindset. Okay, people, that's the mindset of what's going on here. So, um, being involved in, in, in churches, like, and when I'm saying being involved, I, I, yes, I've attended them, but I've actually worked for many number of large size churches and, and from across it, like from anything from like United Methodist, uh, to charismatic churches, to, uh, Southern Baptist churches, you know, I, I've done this. I know I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. I haven't learned the first time, uh, because the stuff that I, that I didn't feel smelled right in one tribe, I would move to a different tribe because I had this intense love, uh, of Jesus and this idea of, of how his teachings can transform me and the world around me. And, has really moved me more and more the the longer that I've been in this and journeyed through this into into which again in conservative circles I'm going to say a word social justice, um, but yes actually offering tangible help to those um, around us yeah I I really believe that when you be able, when you read scripture there is practical like everyday truth here that it's not all like Paula whatever's you know desire that we need to. It, you know, that God is this magical genie in the sky and he wants to give things to you. Or Jim Baker's flip side of it, that God's this magical genie in the sky that just gets pissy every once in a while and, and knocks trains off their tracks. But yes, yeah, so, the, sorry, backtracking to my story. So yes, I've moved around kind of trying to figure out where's my tribe, where's my place, where's my people. And I've seen this over and over again where, where there's this fear that once kids leave the house to go off to college, that they're somehow all going to become instantly atheist as soon as they step foot onto a campus. And so because of that, uh, many Christians over the years have created Christian colleges, which, which end up being kind of like a safe space uh, for Jesus. Now, also in my experience of knowing people and knowing other pastors and, uh, and working with young people that went off to colleges, and again, I'm speaking in a very broad manner. Um, I'm not speaking with any nuance in this, this one little part of my argument that I'm giving here. By and large, they're, they're pretty much all private institutions, which means private institutions means they can charge you a premium fee. Now, a lot of these colleges are going to run, they're going to run somewhere around the same cost as it would go to Duke University. Now, let that sink into you a bit. So I may go to... Uh, Savior's heart on university because it is a great place to go. Uh, and it's going to end up at the end of this and I can ha have a degree in biblical studies uh, and that will cost me the same amount of money as going to Duke University. Now, I know it may not be completely the same, but it is pretty darn close if you've looked into these private um, institutions. So you have two students exit this at the end of their four years of going to school, both with a lot of debt um, and they are not at the same vantage point for marketability uh, for working in the world. Now, maybe many of my other Christians listening to this uh, are going to pick apart the fact that I said, but Stuart, we're not supposed to be of the world or in the world, but guess what? We're humans. We're on the planet. We are in this damn world. Get over that part. Um, stop trying to overly spiritualize everything. There's a practicality towards faith. There is an inherent human nature to faith. Um, and what we get from a lot of these folks is this idea where we overly spiritualize stuff. So getting back to my point, um, and what I'm saying is 
there is within Christian circles a fear, a fear of public education, a fear of higher education that that drives parents to homeschool their children. I've been a part of churches uh, where the parents either, a lot of them were homeschooling their children. Some of the parents didn't even have a high school education. They didn't finish or they just had a high school education and they are going to teach their kids uh, a K through 12 curriculum that they themselves don't even completely understand. And why do they do this? Why? Because there's this idea that Christians need to live in a bubble, like we somehow need to be isolationists because there is the predominant culture of the times, and we have to shot, you know, shield our kids from this, uh, hide them, put earmuffs on them, put them in some sort of a bunker uh, under the ground and teach them by candlelight. I don't really know what, what, the, what the mentality is, but it's this idea where, uh, well, where people do not necessarily want to prepare their children for the world. They would not agree with that statement. I'm just being practical. They are not preparing their children for the world. I've seen so many kids come out of like Christian high schools or come out of being homeschooled. And once they get out into the real world, once they get out of the bubble, they totally freak out because guess what? There is a big world out there. And as you have sheltered them and tried to make them Amish or something like that, the problem is we live in a world where we are interconnected with other humans. We have things like the internet. I know. It's not like it's a new thing, people. Uh, we have smartphones. We rely upon these things in everyday life. And whether or not we should, it's a totally different argument for a totally different time. But what I am saying is this. Uh, Christian parents, more often than not, are terrified of the world and I'm going to just say this, after I've worked as a youth pastor for many, many number of years, they're terrified of the world, but they actually don't want to parent their kids that well uh, because that's too much effort. And so what they do is they just try to shield them from the world. And then lo and behold, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once they leave the house, they go bonkers, whatever bonkers means um, to that parent. Um, they do the things the parents were trying to prevent them from doing. That's what I mean by bonkers there. And so when that happens... The parents are like, look at this. Our kids have all become crazy liberals. But guess what? Parents, in that situation, you are not preparing your kids well for the rest of the world. And I say all of that to say this now. I want to talk about Betsy DeVos. Uh, we talked about, I was trying to stay out of the Trumpian scope here, but again, I, I just can't. I can't. It's like potato chips. You can't just eat one. And um, oh, Donnie boy. I just can't deny you and your advances. Um, so I want to talk about what Betsy DeVos is doing to education in America and why her faith is the problem in this scenario. So let's give you a couple of quick facts about her. Uh, I'm pulling some of this from the Religion News Service, and uh, it's an article by Emily McFarlane Miller. Uh, from way back earlier last year. A um, couple facts to know about Betsy DeVos, just to kind of give us just some groundwork to talk about her and this educational agenda. So, first of all, when she had her confirmation hearing, she received more calls opposing her than any, no any other cabinet member at the time. So given who Trump has put into different positions, the fact that she had the most opposition 
it's no small feat uh, whatsoever. So uh, let's talk about some of her faith traditions. So uh, DeVos has roots in the Christian Reformed tradition. She grew up in the Christian Reformed Church and graduated uh, from schools affiliated with that tradition. And she also went to Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, so you have that about her. Also, Betsy DeVos supports school vouchers, the use of public money to send children to private schools, including religious schools. Okay, we got that one there. So we got, got a little bit of groundwork that we're kind of standing on. Here's like the boards, the floorboards, I guess, that we have going on here. Um, now, again, Betsy DeVos, uh, who is quite wealthy, uh, her family foundation, because how many people do you know that have their own family foundations? Um, so and they quote this in the article um, that Dick and Betsy DeVos uh, Family Foundation has given nearly half of its donations between 1999 and 2014 uh, out of a total of $100 million to Christian organizations. Uh, and that includes uh, $8.6 million to religious schools, such as the Holland Christian Schools, one of her alma mater. Um, and the Ada, Ada Christian School um, that they have on here. And here's, here's where we start to get problematic. That's fine. Like, she went to Christian schools. Nothing, nothing inherently wrong with that. Um, if I was a parent, I would advise kids against putting them in all Christian schools, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but here's where we get to the nitty-gritty here. Um, I'm not even talking about how the fact that she's unqualified and her only real qualification for having this position is the fact that they donated a ton of money to Trump. So we're not even going to talk about that thing. Here's what we're going to talk about. And so one of the points they had in the article is that DeVos says that she wants to, quote, advance God's kingdom through education. Let me say that again. She wants to advance God's kingdom through education. Now, on the surface, if you had a parent that wanted to advance God's kingdom through education, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But, but... When you hold a government position where you are supposed to be doing something for the welfare of the entire country, this begins to get a little problematic, especially when we think about the separation between church and state and uh, what is her motivation for doing the things that she is doing. Um, I'll quote this article. Um, in an oft-quoted audio recording from a 2001 gathering of Christian philanthropists obtained by Politico, DeVos and her husband, Dick DeVos, that's just a fun name right there. Dick DeVos, a former CEO of the multi-level marketing company Amway. What is it with these Christian snake oil salesmen? Have you heard anything good about Amway? Um, they confirmed that they share a Christian worldview that comes from the Calvinist tradition. Uh, the article continues uh, quoting her saying, Our desire is to confront the culture in which we live in today in a way which will continue to advance God's kingdom, not only to stay in our own and not, sorry, let me start over that. Our desire to confront the culture in which we all live today in ways which will continue to advance God's kingdom, not to stay in our own safe territories. So we have somebody that's in charge of education, secretary of education, that is trying to advance God's kingdom through education. Now, you can read this. You can read this in different ways when you say this. 
Because, simply put, um, if, 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 depending upon where you stand in all this, if you believe that God created the universe, and if you believe that God created mankind in his own image, um, you can also run with this idea that God created us with an intellect to learn, a creativity to create, um, and a curiosity to continue to learn more, uh, to seek the stars, to have space programs, to, uh, well, I mean, to find cures to things like cancer. None of these things are bad, and all of these things have been fueled by education. And that in itself is is the problem that I'm trying to get to, and I think I'm actually like stepping over my own self as I'm saying this, but what, what I'm trying to get at here is um, there's many Christian traditions that believe that the Bible can be read as a scientific book. And therefore, that we have to base any knowledge of science and everything else has to originally come from reading the Bible. Now, I will tell you that is horribly problematic and not the intent of the Bible. The Bible doesn't set itself out to be a scientific book where it's the end all and be all for everything. And the problem with folks like DeVos, where they will want to, in their own selves, use the Bible as the basis for any kind of scientific or knowledge pursuit. Now, I think it can accompany things. I think, think that your faith can drive you to learn, can drive you to be curious, can drive you to know more about our known universe. Um, but I think at the same th time, the problem happens when we begin to have scientific pursuits to say the earth is this old and people overly read into how old the earth is through the Bible, which it's not intended to do that, you begin to have kind of cracks in the fuselage of, of what you're thinking, especially when it comes to education. Uh, I talked many times here where I have a friend of mine that is finishing up his studies at Liberty University and uh, which he is fully, uh, he is free to do that on his own, even though I objected when he asked me my advice on that. Um, and I've also mentioned that they teach this, uh, they teach creationism in, in the respect um, at Liberty University, meaning that I, I asked him, I was like, how are they handling like Genesis when they're beginning at the beginning of the universe? Well, there, at least one of his professors was educating them that when God created the universe, he created it already formed, already there, formed. Even though if you look through the Bible and you look at nature, when I look at, when I read the Bible, when I read um, or experience nature and look out into it, and when I even, even though I'm no scientist, when I, when I read deeper into scientific pursuits, the way my faith informs me is that God is a God of process. God is a God of curiosity. And, and the idea that in institutions like Liberty are teaching people that, no, 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 the Bible's timeline, uh, which there isn't really a timeline, it's people reading too deeply into Scripture in order to make this happen, which ends up kind of being like fan fiction. You know what I mean? Like when you have like novels like uh, like the Twilight series or the Harry Potter series that, that leads to fan fiction or Star Wars or any of these where people start to read too deep into stuff that was never meant to be 
read in that manner. And so you end up having folks at institutions like Liberty or people like Betsy DeVos that want to be able to educate us in ways that kind of just make you scratch your head to logic and reason. Um, even people in faith, um, you know, the idea that you need to be able to believe things like this shouldn't be something that makes you always scratch your head and go, well, that makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I'll just go ahead and file that under. I'm taking it on faith. And I'll give a parenthesis here for what that really means, or maybe it's a footnote. Footnote's a better way to say that uh, when people say that. Uh, when they say, well, I'll just have to take all this on faith. That really means they're checking their brain at the door. And I think nowhere in Scripture does God want people to completely check their brains at the door. If we are made and created in God's image, God understood we'd have an intellect. God understood we'd be curious. God understood that we would want to research and learn and grow with this. Because actually, when we begin to look through a lot of scientific breakthroughs, um, not in the last few centuries, but they were done like by Franciscan monks. They were done by people of faith that were actually looking to the stars, trying to chart stuff, trying to understand things like science and disease and, and things of this manner. So when we begin to say somehow like this idea that, that there is faith and there is science and they are mutually exclusive, like the, you know, never, never shall the two meet, that gets problematic. So that was our just intro into Bessie DeVos and my little take on all of that. But now let's kind of start to dig a little, a little deeper into Betsy DeVos and what they are trying to do with schools. And especially why in that little line, and I just briefly mentioned it, where she is a huge advocate of charter schools, of people being able to have vouchers to leave public schools to go to charter schools and which is one of her pet projects, or religious schools, so that taxpayer dollars are paying for children to go to more expensive and more pricey uh, religious schools, or even private schools for that matter. Which, again, if you think about this logically, let's go back to this. Tax dollars fund public schools. If people want to go to a private school, they are usually wealthy, or they don't mind incurring lots of debt, and then they will pay for their children to go and do such, right? And the fact is, taxpayer dollar does not need to be used for funding these private institutions. We have public schools, and I know, I know this is a, almost a completely different argument, um, whether or not public schools in, in America are servicing our children well um, to move them to be competitive in, in the marketplace. And that is, that is a very different argument. But that argument uh, ends up getting squashed with people that have mindsets like Betsy DeVos, where they end up having this kind of escapism mentality when it comes to things. So no, public schools, they're not broken per se, but we want to make it to where you can send your kid wherever and the government will help pay for that. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so dear and darling. That's wonderful. No, it's not. It's crazy. It's insane. And it's off base. Again, this is the wife of a guy that used to help run Amway. Amway, not much different than Jim Baker's Christian Shopping Network. That's all I'm going to say about that. So I want to give you two different kind of takes on Betsy DeVos in this. And the first one comes from um, U.S. News and World Report, and they had written this before she was confirmed. 
Okay. Um, so here are their issues why she is incredibly dangerous or how why they were saying she was potentially dangerous, right? So this is back. Um, so first reason is uh, DeVos lacks an understanding of the functions and role of the department, U.S. Department of Education. Uh, DeVos dismisses the needs of low-income students. Um, DeVos demonstrates no knowledge or appreciation for the laws that protect students with disabilities. And DeVos is unwilling to commit to defending policies that will promote inclusion and acceptance of all students. Um, and the last reason they had there is that DeVos refuses to clarify her financial interests that may conflict uh, with her responsibilities as secretary. Okay, so those were the worries. Those were the worries for her coming in. So then let's let's flash forward. Uh, when is this? We let's flash forward about six months later. This comes from the Center of American Progress, and and so these are they'd laid this out the six ways in which Education Secretary Betsy DeVos is enabling discrimination and undermining students' civil rights. Uh, DeVos rescinded Title. <clears throat> Sorry, Title IX guidance clarifying schools' legal ob obligations to prevent discrimination against transgendered students, which fits very much in line with the anti-LGBTQ uh, stance that the Trump administration has taken. Um, on top of that, well, yeah, part of his, his administration is is Jeff Sessions, so <laughs> and Jeff Sessions just loves discrimination. Um. Another point that they bring up here in this is that under DeVos, the education department has um, has associated with anti-LGBT groups. Here's an example, and I'll quote from them. So on Father's Day, the Department of Education hosted an event called Engaging Fathers and Families. Sounds innocuous enough, right? Father's Day event, right? Uh, but, as they continue to say here, which featured the anti-LGBTQ focus on the family and Family Research Council. Also, the Family Research Council has been officially classified as a hate group by the SPLC. So on top of this, so these are the small ways we're being able to see what she's doing. Um, another argument against, oh dear Betsy, is that the Department of Education is quietly rolling back civil rights enforcement protocols. And they go on to say this, the Education Department has announced plans to retreat from the best practices for enforcing civil rights laws and investigating potential violators. In the past, when an individual student filed a complaint of discrimination with the department, the complaint often triggered a broader investigation to determine whether the issue was part of a pattern of discrimination, especially in cases involving complex issues such as sexual violence, racial discrimination, um, or school discipline. But according to a recent memo um, issued by Candace Jackson, the acting assistant secretary of the Office of Civil Rights, the department will scale back those um, systemic investigations and regional offices will no longer be required to alert department officials of all complaints on highly sensitive issues. Systematic 
investigations reveal patterns of discrimination over time, while a single complaint cannot provide so, uh, such information. By scaling back systematic enforcement, DeVos and Jackson are depriving their own department of the tools needed to recognize, address, and prevent discriminatory patterns and policies. In response, 34 senators have rebuked the department's diminishing enforcement of federal laws prohibiting discrimination in education, calling their actions a war on civil rights. So what we're beginning to see is, is all of the progress that has happened to give students and to give people equal rights, especially in the education system. Those rights and, and those protections are being slowly and kind of quietly pulled back. Now, I understand in many ways, uh, when Trump was elected, he wanted to get rid of <sighs> regulations. He wanted to, I believe he said something like, for every one new regulation that we put out there, we have to repeal five or ten or two, I, whatever it was. And it's statements like that where some people be like, yeah, that sounds good. We have too much regulations over us where, yeah, I get that. I get that. I totally get the idea that sometimes the government can become too big and too bloated in what we're doing. But the idea that we just arbitrarily, to add one, we take away X number of other things, that makes no sense at all. It doesn't make any sense. So all of this, and, and there's more, and, and I'll just, I'll rattle off a couple others, that DeVos's department is quietly rolling back civil rights enforcement protocols, and, and, and it just goes on and on. And, and I love how they ended the article um, here from AmericanProgress.org. Um, education Secretary DeVos and Education Department have a responsibility to uphold a federal law, to uphold federal law and ensure every student has the opportunity to learn free from discrimination and harassment. Although DeVos has said that she opposes educational discrimination, her action speaks louder than words. As Secretary of Education, she has undermined the department's work to foster equitable, welcoming, and safe learning environments. Why does this matter when I talk about, I began talking about her faith. This is why it matters. Is that she comes from a school, especially a Calvinist kind of school, not literal school, but kind of a base of thinking or a base of faith, or maybe it's, I could say better, it's her tribe. She comes from a conservative Calvinist tribe that when you step into the waters of tribes like these, um, what keeps them conservative is what they do to keep others out. Uh, especially when it comes to Calvinism, which is a whole different show in itself. But talking about this idea that there are the chosen and then those are there are the damned. And, and that mentality is where faith can end up distorting the way people look and engage the world around them. It distorts even how they would read Christ's teachings. And we begin to see this. We begin to see her coming from A, a place of privilege, and B, a place of narrow-mindedness and narrow thinking, and perhaps bigotry? Yes, that too. And you begin to see this, um, this move forward and, and, and really just like the summation of who she is and what she believes in uh, because the things she doesn't believe in and doesn't care about, like we're seeing with civil rights, we're seeing this with uh, with <coughs> uh, protections for the LGBTQ um, students as well, too. Those are not important. And 
Christians in these areas that especially have held a, I mean, conservative Christians have held kind of a majority in culture and society for a vast number of years. And they feel like these new kind of things that try to protect students are actually taking away from their own rights. So the way to get back their rights is to take away the rights from other people. Where at the end of the day, an education secretary needs to be about education and making sure the schools are treating our kids equally, making sure that the schools are doing the best possible um, things for our kids, are giving them the best possible education. And when faith somehow twisted faith, distorted faith, broken and sick faith um, begins to say these areas are more important, like these religious schools, we should have vouchers for these schools, and these kids over here should not have protections. We've protected them for long enough. That is sick, and that has nothing at all to do with Christianity. Uh, the heart of Christianity is saying that God loves people. God created everybody in his own image. And God has a table where everyone is welcome. All of those hearts, um, all of that core message of the Bible is lost when people like this, proclaiming their faith, go and do insidious things like this. They may say they're doing this because of their faith, but they're doing this because of their own discriminatory look at the world. And the sad thing is religion has brought them to this point where their lenses are so broken and twisted that they can't see the gospel anymore. And this kind of stuff is sick. And that's why I do shows like this. That's why I do Snarky Faith is to hopefully inject some clarity back into the teachings of Jesus saying this kind of stuff, whether it's the Paula Whites, whether it's the Jim Bakers, whether it's the Betsy DeVos, they don't really fit into the nebulous of Christianity. They are self-serving people that have their own agenda, usually involving money, that they are pushing, and they have nothing to do with Jesus. So that is all I have for the hour. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more, or if you want to listen to past shows, you can go to www.snarkyfaith.com. You can also contact me through questions at snarkyfaith.com. You can also look up Snarky Faith on Facebook and Twitter. Um, through all of this, I want to just send you out in grace and peace that you continue in this year uh, to remain awake, engaged, and involved with what is happening in the world around us. And I send you off in grace and peace. I will catch you again next time. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.